Hey, hey, Bill, how you doing? Hey, Randy, good to see you. I see the uh, the roll tide on the shirt. Uh, there you go. Yep. Yeah, loving your uh, uh, you you are a great great in inspiration, encour encouraging uh, our son Tommy to go there. And it's uh, I, I tell you, for those from the north that have, have a bias, I tell the SEC Alabama's great, whole SEC, and everywhere is just a, a great experience, which is. Uh, what uh, Carter had as well, right? Yeah, I've uh, uh, my our youngest son uh, Carter attended Alabama, a recent college grad, and uh, had an amazing experience there. So yeah, glad it's glad it's going good for your son too. All good. Uh, so anyway, so w welcome uh, everybody that's watching either now or on the uh, recorded version. Uh, we are very honored to have Bill Swales. He's at uh, VMware. Uh, his official title is VP America's Partner in Commercial Organization which uh, in the traditional sense means he's a channel chief and uh, in charge of the strategy for the commercial organization. Uh, this is episode number 76 brought to you by Sales Community. If you want to learn more, sell more, uh, check out Sales Community. And we actually have a uh, I don't know, kind of May special we have going on uh, until May, until Friday the 13th of, of all things. Uh, so you can go to salescommunity.com slash May free and get a free year membership. So uh, otherwise, uh, depending upon which plan you take, $100 a month or $500 a year, so take advantage. And even more importantly, we are sponsored by the Alexander Group. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to do some uh, fantastic seminars, and uh, I wish I had Alexander Group as a uh, as a resource back in the days where we'd uh, lock ourselves in a hotel room and say, okay, how are we going to figure out the comp and the org and the structure and design and creativity and all, and, and all this stuff. So uh, certainly great resource. Uh, I know VMware uses them. You, you've not actually used them themselves. And the uh, uh, official, um, uh, I guess, a sponsorship note or blurb, if I say that, they're, they're actually also the uh, go-to-market uh, uh, and sales compensation sponsor of sales community. And uh, they provide the official tagline is they provide revenue growth consulting services to the world's leading sales organizations. When clients need to grow revenue, they look to Alexander Group for data-driven insights, actionable recommendations, and results. And uh, Chris Riley, who is uh, one of our uh, partners in crime back in the day, who's a, a, a very, uh, very critical on everybody, as uh, most of us know, uh, uh, loves the Alexander Group. So anyway, can't say enough great things. Uh, our title for today is Building Your A-Game for Sales and Partnering. So look forward to uh, talking about that. For those watching in uh, or listening, uh, you can go in on the uh, LinkedIn uh, post area and you can uh, make any comments if you want. You can also ask any questions and we'll do our best to get to those. We have uh, Tucker behind the scenes who uh, always does a fantastic job. Uh, Nor is off today, so he is not on. So I've, uh, I was trying to do the math and I had to get my old HP 12C out, but figured out that we've known each other, I think, for at least 34 years. Uh, you uh, started out for sure as a top rapid EMC in uh, Chicago and I think never looked back. Uh, we worked together again at a giant loop, which was interesting, uh, some ups and some downs, uh, and then certainly had a great run at uh, HPE together. Uh, it was always awesome to see you in action uh, running the server group. It was a super competitive environment, seeing you on stage. Uh, uh, th there's lots of business, important, strategic uh, knowledge I learned from you. Uh, but you know, lots of fun memories are just coming to my head. You know, Bill said, Hey, why, why don't you button your jacket when you're on stage in front of thousands of people? I said, I, 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 Hey, go buy, go buy new suits. So I went and bought new suits. And the next event, we had 
Dave Donatelli comes up to say, wow, you look really good. You know, did you change something? Yeah, I bought suits that fit so I can button it. <laughs> Oh, that, that's so funny, Randy. I, I mean, I, it's so funny to hear you reference 34 years because literally I did the same thing this morning. It's amazing, like all the benefits of LinkedIn, by the way, where you can kind of go back and like, how yeah. many years have we been working together? But uh, that that experience we had together at HP was amazing. And uh, I just I, I just want to say I'm grateful for you and how coachable you are. You didn't get defensive about the new suit. You were actually like, that's actually great. I agree. It feels great. (laughs) I just bought a new new tux last week. And I remember they said, here, I said, no, no, leave leave a little room just in case. Because when you button it, there's nothing like button it. And then I I don't know if I'm allowed to say you, uh, when you're announcing the Gen 9 servers, that there is a a competitive server platform that uh, we felt throwing off a roof. Uh, with uh, you, you and some of your co- co- colleagues, I, I guess I, I won't mention that. Uh, but certainly well, been a, a, a fantastic leader, huge friend of the channel, consummate professional, and most importantly, a uh, great uh, husband and father. Uh, it's been great seeing uh, Bill Jr. and Carter growing up. Bill uh, following your shoes in uh, tech sales, and uh, Carter almost following your shoes, but now doing uh, public relations in New York City. And I'm sure they will all continue to uh, grow and thrive. And uh, always, always great being with your lovely little wife, Pam, at different events and down here in Naples and uh, everything else. So uh, I'm sure everybody watching is uh, probably sick of us by now. So uh, uh, maybe well, why don't we get into it here? So maybe well, talk hey, a bit just, about- if, you don't, if you don't mind, Randy, I, I just want to say like something that you and I and I, I see a comment here from Peter Bell about, uh, you know, time flies and great friendship. If you if you really go back that far ago, like we all had a full head of hair. <laughs> yes, so we have something in common today that has brought us even closer together. I guess exactly. Yeah, but I think you can still. You have some room to take yours down on the sides. I think I right? could. I could. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe somebody <laughs> on your team will give you some feedback. So that's an open invitation to you. Tell them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, tell, tell us a bit about your uh, professional journey. Uh, I mean, what what a gift. Uh, you know, it's so interesting at this stage in my career to. Uh, spend time with, you know, Bill Jr. and Carter and other friends of ours, you know, who have kids who are, you know, looking, what is the next, what are they going to do in their industry? And I just, I'm constantly reflecting about how blessed we've been on the choices that we've made and how lucky we got to all decide to go into high tech. I mean, I remember, uh, I was, I don't forget how old Okay, wait, wait, time out, time out. You got to tell the story about you know, magically, you're the only buddy from your school, you know, the only person from your school that applied to the job at EMC. Well, I, I knew. So, yeah. So I knew I knew I wanted to go in, into either high tech when I was in college. Yeah. I went to DePaul University or I wanted to go into pharmaceutical sales because there was a lot of that in Chicago. So I was going to go down one path or another. And back in that day, you know, you'd go to career planning and placement and you'd find like a piece of paper with the little tear offs of, uh, you know, yeah, here's the job description you know, EMC Incog Growth Company, here's the little tear off with someone's name. And it was Chris Patton. I'll never forget that. And uh, my first manager and his phone number. And I called him like that's that's how that was LinkedIn before LinkedIn was there. But yeah, yeah, so, you know, I did I did have a conversation with Chris, the hiring manager. I did learn. I said, hey, I understand you hire a lot of people from Boston College. You're now you're going to look at DePaul. Are you going to hire from other schools in the Chicago area? He said, yeah, we're looking at, you know, uh, Northwestern University, Loyola. And I said, okay, well, that's good. So anyway, you, you want to talk about one thing that's uh, key in sales is eliminating your competition. So I just made sure as I went home after school 
took the L by Loyola stopped and then at Northwestern and made sure that there were no many, there were not any flyers up on the thumb board with those little tear off things. So when I went into interview with Chris, I said, so I'm just kind of curious, like, did you have uh, you know, a good, good candidate pool? And he said, you're the only one. <laughs> Perfect. But I got lucky. I, they hired me. What a gift. So yeah, it's been a blessing in our industry. So that like, that's where it all started. But you know, the journey was a dozen years at EMC, which was amazing. Obviously, that's where we connected, had a chance to work in kind of that storage area networking segment of uh, CNT, McData, Brocade, all those companies coming together, which was really interesting work. Had an opportunity to um, lead some very, very big businesses at Hewlett Packard Enterprise today, ran the storage business unit. And then I was blessed to have an opportunity to lead the uh, you know, single largest PL in the world for them, which was the X86 business, which was amazing. And uh, yeah, currently, you know, at, uh, at VMware, um, which is a, an amazing place to be, uh, you know, with regards to customers wanting to migrate workloads to the cloud, which is something, by the way, I also did at Oracle. So I've, what a gift to work at such amazing brands. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed and grateful for that. Right. Well, there's probably some correlation, great brands, great success in you. But uh, what, what about telling us more about uh, VMware? Yeah, I mean, VMware is a really exciting place right now. Um, I've been here about three and a half years. I uh, was recruited from Oracle and basically did the same thing here that I did at Oracle. And it's all about how are we going to drive a go to market with a partner ecosystem? to help us drive business outcomes and solve customer problems. And the strategy here is just amazing. If you think about what is happening in our customer environments today, all customers are leveraging multiple clouds, whether it's AWS or Google Cloud Platform, Microsoft Azure, Salesforce.com, dot, 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 dot. And so we know that our customers are really committed to that more subscription spend versus perpetual. So there's a, a balance. Our customers are really trying to figure out which applications, use case, and workloads do they want to run on-prem or do they want to run in a cloud? And maybe they're running one of the clouds, they want to move it to another cloud, or they want to move it back, back on-prem. And so we're in a very, very unique position to bring value to our customers with this multi-cloud strategy with an enormous amount of uh, capability there. The second element is you know, if you think about like the banking industry, I had a really interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago uh, with a CIO at a bank. You know, they don't think of themselves as an infrastructure company. They think of themselves as a software company, you know, who's trying to really figure out new ways to interact with their clients. And so it, it's all about the applications and how are they developing new applications or modernizing legacy applications. And so we're in a really unique place to help our customers scale there with containers and Kubernetes and, uh, and all that with regards to modern apps and our Tanzu portfolio. So that's cool. And then the third element is just like what we're all doing. Some of you are at the office, some of you are at home, some of you may be at a coffee shop. The work from anywhere uh, segment is a really, really hot space. And so that's some, another market that we play in. So multi-cloud, modern apps, and anywhere workspace like this is these are really really interesting conversations to have with customers about how they're evolving their business models so vmware is very relevant we're very very strategic 
And as we go to market, you know, we're about a $12 billion company. About 90% of what we do is build a go-to-market with and in conjunction of our partner ecosystem. So I have a very, very fun, important strategic job that uh, keeps me on my toes, gives me a little, maybe a little too much stress, but uh, it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity to, to, to be here and be part of this. That's great. It's, a, it's amazing how to evolve back from the Diane Green days of server virtualization and uh, yeah. then really under uh, Pat Gelsinger's watch, you know, just really continued to reinvent and always knew the ne next thing that was going on. And awesome. you know, now the uh, new leadership is uh, continuing to take that forward, it looks like. Yeah, it, you know, it is really, really exciting. So, yeah, Ragu Ramaran is our chief executive officer. He's been with the company, I think, for 18 years, right? So one of the things I really love about Ragu in the new role as our new leader post-Pat is he understands the culture. He used to run all of engineering. Like, he is obsessed with really, really good, high-quality, valued products for our customers. And then on top of that, we over-rotate on NPS and customer experience. So... We know if like our products work in a very, very high quality way, if we engage the right way with our customers and prospects, if they have a great experience, they're going to buy more. So we have a very, very loyal uh, customer base that we've been uh, working hard at for many, many years. It's been a great journey. Yeah, that's great. And yeah. um, I'd say maybe on the culture side, how, you know, how have you seen it evolve, you know, and or kind of what, what's special about the culture? Culture is really, really important here. And this is unlike any company that I've worked at before. So a number of years ago, via various work groups with the employees, you know, it was asked of the employees to help us define what our culture is. And the teams came up with an acronym called EPIC2, which is amazing. If you ask anyone at, you know, at VMware, like, you know, describe the culture, everyone's going to talk about EPIC2. And EPIC2 is the acronym for uh, number one, execution. At a minimum, we all know that we need to deliver the results. We need to be maniacally focused on doing what we're each accountable for delivering on. So execution is kind of that first pillar. The second pillar is around people and passion. Like we want every employee, all 35,000 employees, I think it's actually a little more than that now, to wake up every day just super fired up about you know, what you're doing, what your career journey is. So passion and, uh, and the people is something that we really, really focus on. We encourage our employees to create your own adventure and try to figure out, you know, now that you've done one job for a little while, what's next for you and what could be next? So the, so the P is really important. The I, as you know, is very, very important for me, Randy. It's all about integrity. It, you know, there's a zero tolerance for any ethical compromise. We all know that, uh, you know, there's no gray area. Everything's black and white. So having a very, very high integrity culture is really important. The fourth piece is around uh, customer and making sure that we're customer obsessed with regards to how we engage with the customers, the customer experience, and making sure that they're very, very happy so they continue to buy. And then the last piece, like you and I have been talking about this for a number of years, it's all about community. Like, what are we doing as an organization to help those less fortunate or less, you know, help those that are in need. The best example I have of that is, um, you know, my boss, Dan Zugelder, who runs the Americas, we literally took a day off as an organization. We call it an Epic Two Day. And we spent the entire day with everyone across US, Latin America, and Canada doing community service, giving back and helping those in need. So when you describe the culture 
it's epic too, but this is a place where it's just built within the DNA of everyone. And it makes it a very, very unique place to work and to be and to grow and to develop and to have an amazing career journey. Awesome. That's, that's great. And that, uh, I mean, obviously you uh, li li live all of that, but especially in the community side, always being been uh, very charitable and giving of your, your time and your talent as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesse chimes in, says Bill Swales, incredible leader. Absolutely. And then uh, uh, Dan, I uh, Pretty sure I should know. We've got him. Uh, I think we have a book coming up sometime. We're uh, booked right now. By the way, anybody can go to Sales Community site under events, and uh, we're booked out now through I think end of February uh, every week, uh, which is pretty cool. That's great. Uh, so if you were, you know, besides everything, all the great stuff you said about the culture, love, love Epic too. Um, if you're talking to a recruit and you have 30 seconds, kind of in an elevator, kind of what else would you say? Um. You know, I, I would really over rotate for a recruit, number one, on the, on the culture. So I would amplify that. But I would also talk about this is a culture that's unique with regards to, as I mentioned, I use the term create your own adventure. Like we, we want all of our employees to have multiple experiences here at the company. Why would you need to go from company to company to company when if we can do a really good job as a leadership team advocating for our employees to create your own adventure? So we're looking, you know, we don't want people bouncing around like a one year in a row, but we're really help making sure that every manager has that high quality conversation with their employees on a quarterly basis in a documented plan to make sure that we're advocating for everyone on their career journey. I don't think there's many companies that do that. I think there's a lot of, you know, grind in our business, a lot of pressure in the business, right. you know, versus helping everyone think strategically about their career path. And I think that's a unique differentiator for our company. Oh, that's great. Awesome. I'm in. Yeah. So we have uh, our, our title for today uh, is building your A game for sales and partnering. Uh, tell us more about that. Well, you know, it's funny as I as I prepared. Right. I I went back to this and it's, you know, there, there's there you go. And by the way, this is the one you autographed for me. I'm just going to read this back to you because I'm grateful for this. You said uh -oh. well, so proud of how well you continue to do and love that you are a great dad and husband. Uh, I value our friendship. Love you, Randy. So how about that, Randy? No, you just got me in trouble with everybody who I, I didn't write or I didn't, <laughs> didn't write, didn't write it write as nice to. Yeah. Well, so, so, you know, I just think it's really important with everyone you work for or you work with to set really, really clear expectations. I've seen it happen so many times in my career where, uh, there's just misalignment uh, with regards to expectations. And I think that many times in our in sales, people think that they're getting exclusively measured on just a number. And uh, it's more than that. So if you think about, Randy, some of the some of the conversations that we've had in the past is we think about, okay, well, we had you know 150 people deliver over 100% of plan. Do all of them really qualify for club? Well, that's one metrics. Are there the other right behaviors? Right. And so, you know, one of the things that I've always done with every team that I've worked with, and it's outlined in the book, there's kind of, you know, these 10 bullets. One is I, I try to make sure that I set clear expectations up front for everyone. And my expectation list is pretty simple. Number one, be consistent and predictable. There's nothing worse as a manager than being surprised. There's nothing worse than volatility numbers going up and down. And so consistency and predictability is really, really important. 
Number two, like my expectation is to be number one in everything you do, but give the credit to others. Like don't take credit yourself. Like, like it's the team that actually delivered the results. And so giving credit to others, it can be a really a force multiplier to inspire someone and recognize them for something that they're doing. The third element is really around developing the talent and, and, and you have to, as a manager, embrace diversity, in, embrace the, uh, the plan that I talked about around creating your own adventure and lead by example that. That's really, really important. The fourth one is like, and I've been saying this forever, like my, one of my leadership attributes is all about like surrounding myself by people that I like, know, trust, respect, and can learn from. I'm a likable guy. I want to have a high level of trust. I want to hire people that are smarter than me. I want to be a, a constant student of our industry and, and, and learn. And if you do that, like that's a core element to building like a core, core team. The fifth one is around being challenged and being challenged every day. I, I like stress. I like it when the job starts. I, I like waking up every day so that my kids can see that I have to work my tail off. It's a way yeah. for me, right, to be an example that instills hard work eth eth you know, ethic for them. So you're, you're the same way. You're a lot like all of our friends like, are, are the same way. So that's, um, that's pretty important. The, the seventh one or the sixth one is around just a zero tolerance for any ethical compromise. Come on, people. Like we're, we're way beyond anything with regards to expense report. Like, like yeah. stupid. Like, like, come on. Um, the one that kind of really resonated with me, I remember that uh, I worked for a CEO at one point that in his signature block, he said, set your goals, write them down, share them with others who can help you achieve them and review them constantly. And I just really over-rotated on that as a best practice around really thinking about what my goals are, getting alignment with regards to people who can help me achieve them, and then making sure that you're reviewing them constantly because things change. There could be an M&A, there could be a different competitor, like you constantly have to review. So like, that sounds so basic, but it's, uh, it's really important. And then the last three are, are just a couple other elements that with any team, like setting expectations, like we all need to acknowledge we're gonna have an enormous amount of hard work with regards to anything that we're gonna be chartered to do, but you have to be able to bring humor into what you do. You have to be able to have fun and yeah. decompress. If it's constantly a grind, it's not worth it. So it's really important to figure out how can you take a break with your team? How can you just give them an opportunity to decompress? And if all of that kind of comes together, I've always found the money comes. Yeah, absolutely. Because so the uh... number one in every do, develop the talent, be challenged every day, Zero talents, like it, it all just kind of adds up. So anyway, what, what's your reaction to all that, Randy? No, fantastic. I just have this plethora of stories pop popping in my head. And uh, one talking about health and awareness, health and wellness, we're at the tail end of one of our kickoffs in uh, Vegas. And all of a sudden I get word you're in the hospital. So of course I go over, you're in the hospital, Kevin Hooper is right next, right next to you. And all of a sudden overnight, somehow you guys, you know, got your, uh, you know, became medical doctors and you two are trying to convince the doctor that it's okay for you to leave. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. If he says you shouldn't go, you shouldn't go. Like you're going to fly and everything else. And then somehow you guys, I was trying to get you to stay, of course you didn't listen. And then you convince the doctor that it's okay for you to go. And then uh, for, I don't know if I'm allowed to, 
acknowledge the how, how we got back. Is that okay to say? Don't acknowledge it. Okay, <laughs> it's got all right, it. whatever. All right, no problem. Anyway, so we uh, were uh, pri private jet worked out great. Able to get home creativity from a, a, a friend. So well, well, it let, me, out let, me, great. let me let me comment on that, Randy. So, um, you know, I think it's really important for everyone to have awareness about uh, stress, anxiety, uh, like it. We're living in a pretty crazy world right now with regards to COVID, what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, you know, business models are shifting. Customers are buying less perpetual, more as a service. Like there's, there's a lot going on and I cannot stress enough the importance of taking care of yourself. So a little story about Randy. So I remember one time at sales kickoff, you know, we had so many people at HPE, you were way, 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 way in the back and you came running up onto stage because you wanted to be inclusive of making sure everyone knew that they were there, even though they were in the, like the overflow room. But you got up on stage and you were winded and I was nervous for you. And I just I think that's a lesson with regards to you or the experience that I had. You have to prioritize your health and wellness. You have to be self-aware of anxiety and stress and there's no one you've said this to me too randy there's no one that owns this responsibility other yeah. than you don't like don't make that mistake so anyway i just like as a little coaching for everyone exercise eat good food you know drink plenty of water take your vitamins we all know get plenty of sleep you all know what to do make sure you do it yeah. you just summarize there's a, there's a book younger next year so mm -hmm. you can take a long time and read the however hundreds of pages. You basically just just summarized it. So you got the Reader's Digest version there. But I must say, in full defense of me, yes, I was totally window when I got on stage. So I went and measured it the next day, the whole route, because it was I don't know, <laughs> thousand people or something like that, all these different rooms. It basically was uh, equivalent of a quarter mile track in your suit in Vegas in altitude. So. Uh, yeah. But anyways, still, you know, uh, hey, hey, Randy, if you don't mind, there's one other element that that like goes with like the, that top 10. And it's, it's more about mindset that I just want right. to share with everyone, if, if I could. Um, you know, I wake up every day with a mindset of like to believe you cannot do a thing is a way to make it impossible. Like yeah. you have to be able to visualize victory of what you want to do. You have to, you know be aware that people make mistakes give them a second chance you have to uh find balance you have to you know be able to explain your business on one piece oh, yeah. of paper like just, so like that mindset stuff i think is important for people to reflect on a little bit there's more comments on that in the book and i'm more than willing to anyone wants to reach out to me talk about it i'm more than willing to uh have have additional conversations there okay. Fantastic. And then around the whole kind of your yourself, you think about, you know, every business has kind of a plan and goals and targets. You mentioned about your personal you know goals and targets. I actually have mine in the book. So the other like the stool is what kind of help, helps you get there is if you share it, you know, that kind of, you know, if you share it, you kind of have to get there because you don't want to be a schmuck, you know, kind of saying it, not, not doing it or at least trying to get there. So um, and, and Tucker later on can post, but if anybody wants a book, it's um, salescreening.com slash book. And there's a paper version and a ebook version. And uh, from what I hear, uh, most people kind of mark them up like uh, I do. So pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, so I just want to make sure we catch up to some things. Appreciate what uh, Peter said. 
Um, certainly lives and breathes everything that we're talking about. Uh, Terry Richardson also has a comment. Uh, uh, great, another great uh, tech sales leader, channel chief. Uh, great to see you, Bill. You continue to inspire me and others to raise our game every day. Uh, very you well inspire said. me, Terry. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's enough usual. Love, love fest here. So, and also, Terry, feel free to uh, ask him a question. And uh, uh, Tucker, we've got a longer question from uh, Larry Irvin. Larry, thanks. Hey, Bill, enjoying your conversation with Randy. I lead go to market for a seed stage company and have been wait, waiting to launch our channel motion until we have the messaging and value prop more solidified. I'm concerned we won't get maximum leverage if we launch the channel before we're ready uh, and able to resource it properly and think, am I thinking about this right or being too conservative? Uh, my, my two cents for a lot of the early stage companies that I talk to is, um, you know, I'll say bring, you know, for lack of better words, you know, bring them a, you know, a deal or two. So if there's channels that are strategic based on industry or geo or vertical or kind of whatever it is, you know, a good way to get them involved is I'll say giving them a deal they get some margin there to see how it works. So that can kind of allow them to uh, potentially go. Um, but uh, I'll see what your perspectives are. And you can always disagree with me. No, yeah. So, so Larry, I think it's a really great question. And I, I, would, um, I would caution you to be cautious. <laughs> that like messaging, value prop, uh, how are you going to solve customer problems? What are the business outcomes? are really, really important because you have to, if you think about like a, a partner ecosystem, like I think I have like 6,000 partners across our entire ecosystem, but all those partners, I mean, they can sell a hundred thousand other products. So how are you going to be able to capture mindshare within their organizations that they should focus on these new offerings you bring into market versus other stuff? So element number one is like, that message, that value prop is really important. The second thing that I would encourage you to take a look at is really segmentation. What is the profile of partner? What are the capabilities that those partners have that can actually help you execute on strategy, right? So do some work uh, with regards to partner capabilities. And then you gotta make sure you just have top to top alignment, uh, you know, with regards to is this aligned to the strategy of that partner? Some partners just want to be resellers. Some partners want to be, you know, very, very high advisory consulting services. So you got to make sure like you're aligned with the partner. And the last element is if you don't have the right incentives uh, and the incentive structure built out where it becomes interesting uh, for the partner to focus on your offering, not just from a reseller, but like services, uh, you know, something beyond the, just the transact. Um, you know, it, it can be hard. So I would give you a little cautious. I encourage you to be a little cautious. Think through all of that comprehensively. Yeah, I'm always, especially a lot of the technical CEOs, you probably see the same thing where they say, oh, we can just, you know, the, the channel just go do it. Like, well, they're not going to just go do it. You have to, you know, ultimately, you know, they have to kind of go sell to end users. And by the way, they've got a lot of other things that they can sell that are easier. So if you're still trying to figure out product market fit amongst the laundry list that you said, you know, if you, if you can't do it, there's no way the channel can do it. But I, I see so many revenue plans. Okay, the channel's just going to do this, this, this. Well, oh yeah. Uh, how are you going to support it? How are you going to staff it? How are you going to yeah, incent yeah. it? How are you going to train, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
And you know, in some cases, it can almost be even a more expensive channel early on, as opposed to just keeping things yeah. direct, baking out everything that you just said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, so great answer. All right, Tucker, you want to keep them coming here? Uh, who do we have? Let's see. All right, we have Ted. Uh, Ted's with Alexander Group. Uh, Bill, mm -hmm. lo lo love your and uh, Ted, you're awesome. Also, also Ted's part of the club. Uh, Bill, love your discussion on the importance of culture. Question: VMware was originally a very direct-led culture. How have you been able to translate the positive culture to partners? Or stated another way, how are you managing channel conflicts uh, between field and partners? Yeah. So I'll. Um... So obviously, as I mentioned, culture is at the core of VMware. So that's really, really important to our strategy. As we're engaging with our partnering community, we're really trying to understand what are the values that they have at their core. And I'm just going to give an example here of one of our partners. Uh, one of our partners uh, would be WWT. So Joe Koenig over there, very, very good friend. It was interesting about three and a half years ago, Joe and I were having a conversation about um, culture and leadership, and we were, I was describing the Epic Two values, and he gave me a really, really great um, you know, education on what they call customer delight. So they have a similar initiative around customer delight. And so it's interesting, if you go to the WWT website and uh, you know, go under partners, I was asked to uh, come in and do a little recording talking about the culture and the value of the two companies coming together. I didn't need to prepare. I didn't have any notes. I just got up there and I was able to explain our Epic Two values and my understanding of customer delight, explain how that together between our two companies brings customer value. And, and it, just, it just has created for us. And by the way, same situation with many other partners. We are really, because of the culture, um, we're completely open, honest, and transparent with our most strategic partners that we're aligned from a culture perspective. Like, like, there's no holding back. Like, Bill, we have to fix this. Or, Bill, we need help. Or I could say to one of our partners, you know, we're kind of out of sync here. Like, how are we going to fix this? So it's just created, because of the culture, an opportunity to be transparent and open and honest, address what the issues are, the elephants in the room. And that is what's driving our growth with, um, you know, our most strategic partners. It's That's really, great. really important. So more specifically, we, we, we've all seen the movie, but, you know, how do you handle it? How does VMware handle it these days where there's, you know, I know the WWT has lots, especially in New York, but, you know, they've done a fantastic job with some of the largest global accounts. So yeah. you can name, you know, XYZ Bank. But, um, you know, say a, a rep is kind of doing something direct that otherwise should or could be with the partner. Kind of how, how do you police that or manage that? Yeah. So, so we've invested significantly into building out the technical services capabilities of our partner ecosystem. It's a strategy called our MSC strategies, master services competencies. So we have asked our partners to, in their VMware practice areas, basically go through a process to prove their capabilities. By proving their capabilities and meeting a whole bunch of criteria, it basically converts into an accreditation that our professional services organization, so our team and customer success team, so yeah. our teams that focus on the deployment of our products and that customer experience, we know that these partners all have the chops and the capabilities to deliver an amazing outcome. So that's step one. 
Step two is we've encouraged our sellers to engage with the partners who have the most proven and validated capabilities. So they should have a high level of confidence, whether they work with our direct internal organization or a partner, it's going to be the same experience. On top of that, we're encouraging our sellers as they consider potentially going to market with a partner or multiple partners to basically execute on a teaming agreement strategy. So it's a document that the partner agrees to, we agree to, that the partner signs that we sign, that has very prescript uh, items identified with regards to, here's what we're accountable for, here's what you're accountable for, here's what we're gonna go get done. And by doing that, that turns into the precursor to providing a documented registration process where we in actually incent our partners a little more uh, because they're driving the value, creating the new opportunity. So if you think of that journey is we've built the partner capabilities, we've advocated for the partners who have the capabilities. We are making sure our sellers, by the way, and our customers understand these capabilities. We have a document that we all sign and agree this is what we're going to do. And so when we do that the right way, the friction goes away because we have a documented plan with our core sellers and our partners. And just to be transparent with everyone, I think we're you know approximately a $12 billion, billion company. About 90% of what we do is sold with and in conjunction of our partners. So there may be this perception that we're a direct culture. In reality, we are really building a comprehensive go-to-market with our partners. And in today's world, where most of our products, you know, are now being consumed, you know, as a service, uh, our partners are helping us significantly from a customer success perspective, getting those um, uh, SaaS subscriptions deployed, used, and consumed. So we're building that nice recurring revenue model. So hope, hopefully that's clarity for you. That's a really, really strong process that we have that is, I think, done a pretty good job removing the friction. Great. Over the great, great, great answer and a great question, Ted. And then, yep. Ted, in case I forgot to tell you in our prep, I was updating Bill on a lot of things that you're doing at VMware. He wasn't that familiar. So make sure you follow up to my uh, introduction, not that you would otherwise. But um, another, another kind of snippet from there, I, I used to get a kick. You know, I'd be with, uh, you know, reps and they'd be chewing my ear off. Oh, you know, we need more SEs. You know, pre so you want more, you know, SEs, pre-sales resource, solution architects. Yes. How many would you like? Well, if I could get one, like how about you, if you could have 10 or 20? Because that'd be great. You 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 would do that? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's called the channel, you know, among, right. amongst other things, right? Just like, you know, sometimes, you know, and I think, you know, <laughs> o over the years, a lot of those that mentalities either gotten changed or they, they've gotten, uh, you know, uh, upgraded or, or fired, but moved out of the uh, organization. And then uh, other thought I had is, um, you know, talking about how everything's all about the apps and software and SaaS and everything else. Uh, Dave, I, I didn't actually see it, but I think uh, Dave Valente uh, from uh, uh, Wikibon and what's it called, Silicon, something else that he does the podcast with is uh, writing about, you know, is hardware debt, right? I mean, genuinely, yeah. it's all about software and the apps and, you know, who cares yep. about the hardware these, these days. Yep. Um, so great commentary and, uh, you know, circling back, I mean, Joe and WWT have built an amazing business and they're some of the, again, they're do up and down market, but they've done an amazing job. Some of the largest uh, companies in the world. So Jesse mm -hmm. asks, um, Bill, there's an ongoing discussion in the world of sales at the intersection of the performance and brand. 
I'd love to get your thoughts on SDRs, cold calling or cold texting. So we, we're, we're talking before oh, oh. I did, uh, I, I'm starting a series saying uh, I, I might be old school, but uh, on LinkedIn. So my, my first one, full disclosure, was um, I saw something about or heard something about people cold calling people's cell phones and uh, cold texting. So, and you're totally fine. I know you may, you're going to have a different spin on it, but you know, my, my take is I, I just think that, that that's inappropriate. Um, and I think you're saying, you know, may, maybe a, a little bit on the text side. What, what's your thought? Well, I mean, just to, it's a, it's a, it's a deja vu down memory lane because I'm reflecting right now on when I first started with EMC in Boston and Hopkinton in the call center. And my first territory from a cold calling perspective was New York City. And I literally would like, a yellow piece of legal pad, thumbtacks on in my cubicle wall, I would mark off how many times I got hung up every day. Like I like literally at the end of the day, we would come over and we're like, look, like this is my day. So I I'm someone who I don't mind making the call. I I don't mind a thousand dials a day. Like I I like yeah, I want but, to but the, 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 yeah. But the point but, is to cell phones. Yeah, no, yeah, but my yeah. that's where it's gonna go. So on cell phones, I think it's appropriate if there's a uh uh, some sort of soft introduction, you know, like, Hey, I, I was given your number, but like de define where you got that number from. If it's a mutual friend or a colleague, like, I think that, I think that's okay. But, but the calling I think is a little aggressive on, on the, you right into someone's cell phone. I think a soft introduction via texting, I was given your number by Randy Seidel, you know, not sure if you have interest in learning more about VMware, but I'd love to love to talk to you if you're interested without, without hounding him. I, I think I'm okay with that. Got it. All right. Totally a little, good. little bit, little differing point of view there. Always good. Um, yeah, it's uh, and uh, Jesse's just adding on some things here. So yeah, a lot of times you can get people's cell phone numbers that you know could be LinkedIn or Seamless or uh, Zoom info. Oh, um, let's see. Losing track here. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Uh, oh, so you're. Um, so at uh, HBS Harvard Business School, um, you've always been one for you know continuous improvement and learning. And uh, I remember some of the great stories you told me about the authentic leadership development program that you took with uh, Bill mm -hmm. George. Um, maybe yeah. kind of br briefly tell us more about that. So I'm a I'm a fan of you, you have to constantly invest in yourself. You have to be a student in the industry. You have to be a constant learner. As soon as you stop that, forget it. Okay. So I uh, you know. Did a little bit of stretch assignment. It was, you know, one week continuing education, HBS class. I thought it was really interesting, as you mentioned. The class is called Authentic Leadership Development. It is taught by Bill George, who's the retired chairman and CEO of Medtronic. The one thing that I really appreciated about this class was, I mean, the HBS case studies with regards to what type of leader are you? And so there was one in particular that I thought was interesting. It was a HBS review on the profile of Bobby Knight. So coach of Indiana grabbing his kids, screaming at them, throwing the chair on the floor, like just that really, really aggressive behavior. We've all probably worked for someone of that mindset. But it was a compare and contrast then to Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, Mike's like, puts his arm around you, come over to my house for dinner. Uh, your parents are in town. Would you like to come over? We, we'd love to host you at the house. So it was really a, a really interesting experience to think about what type of leader am I? Am I more Bobby Knight or Mike Krzyzewski? I'm more Mike Krzyzewski, just for the record. But the learnings that come from something like that, uh, the learnings that, that you have over a, a week or two or even something virtually to constantly invest in yourself, I just think is something that everyone needs to do. 
in that HBS class, I literally pulled it out of my briefcase here early before the call. Like I've, I've taken notes on this little red book. This little red book was the recommendation of my good friend, John Clavin, who we worked with at EMC and HBS grad. And I took maniacal notes. And then at the end of the class, I transferred the notes into this book, which I've constantly added onto. And so whenever I'm looking for a moment of inspiration, uh, different experiences that I've had, I'm, I'm going back into this book. So all of that came from this class, Randy. I've taken a couple others, you know, leadership for senior development. I have another one on the calendar uh, for September about, um, you know, uh, interlock with uh, board members and senior uh, senior execs. But um, I, I just encourage everyone to continue to do that and, and think about your, you know, who you are at your core from a leadership perspective. Gotcha. That's great. And uh, uh, Rich Giraffa, that we both know well, um, also has a book and his, his write-up in the book is actually around keeping, I forgot exactly how he said it, but yeah. keeping your own little red book. And he's got notes and things from over the years of everything else. And I keep encouraging him saying, Hey, you, you, you got to publish that thing. But he has, um, he has uh, many of them. Like I, that's what, like Rich is amazing. Like that's one of the things that we have in common. I've always admired Rich and he's, you know, he's leading AWS. He's a very, very good, you know, personal friend, but that is, that is definitely a best practice. Uh, fantastic. Um, so what about the concept of value selling, right? We um, have seen that evolved, you know, over the years we had, um, you know, kind of uh, Jeff Goldberg, rest, rest in peace, CMC, that kind of did the first training of us. Now that whole thing has, has, has really evolved. And as we know, it's not about the speeds and feeds and all the technical stuff. But, you know, I, I always say if you're talking to CFO, what is it you're going to talk about? Um, how have you seen the, the concept of value selling evolve? You know, it's really interesting. Um, in today's world, the the consumer is so much more highly educated than they were, you know, 10, 5, 15, 20 years ago, because there's so much knowledge that they can gain from what's on the internet, talking to networks like this, or, um, you know, IDC Garter, you know, dot, dot, dot. So I think it's important to think about the consumer today is really probably very, very understanding of the fundamentals of whatever they're, they're looking at. Uh, on value selling, it's all about, you know, the business outcomes and business outcomes uh, kind of to your point is, uh, you know, really about high quality understanding of what is the customer's business trying to accomplish by leveraging whatever you're going to use. And I've, I've had some pretty amazing experiences over my career I mean, to really study a customer and to learn about their mission, to look at all of the SEC or other filings about how they're incented. And when you get to a point where you have such great understanding of what the customer is trying to accomplish and you can align then with regards to a business case, you guarantee yourself a deal. <laughs> but if you... If yeah. you're just tactical and transactional, to me, that's kind of a boring, that's just a sale. And I've noticed as I've learned about what customers are accomplishing, I remember, you know, one really, really amazing CIO that I dealt with. It was Len Newsel. You probably remember him, Randy, from the yeah, yeah. Corporation. Yeah, OCC. I remember, I remember Len, Len saying to me one time, he's like, you know, Bill, when you, know, when you come into my office, you know, and you bring a couple of people in, like, I listen. Because he knew that that's the mindset of how we were thinking. So to me, that's uh, that, that's what you got to accomplish there. Well, that's great. So we're um, getting on with time here. Uh, Tucker, can you post, uh, looks like Liam, 
what are other KPIs and metrics? Uh, do you think channel teams and influ uh, individual contributor should be measured on beyond just deal registration? So it's a re th this whole KPIs and OKR conversation is really, really evolving. And it's interesting, like when I read this question here, Liam, I think like, how are we going to tactically measure sales productivity? And something that I've noticed in the best companies uh, is that one of the things that they're doing is they're taking a high quality look at the OKRs. What is the company trying to accomplish strategically and how at the CEO or board level are they going to measure that success? That then typically triggers down to a president, like how are we going to get now more into the maniacal details about new OKRs? And then if that cascades down the right way to engineering, to sales, operations, HR, you have a whole new swim lane of much tighter OKRs. So when I, when I see the, a note like this, I think I would make sure that whatever you're measuring aligns to that said strategy. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's changing, it's the changing the way we're thinking of things. So for example, I mean, we're more, a lot of our customers are buying our products as a subscription now. So we're thinking more about not just the standard stuff that you have here, but with regards to how are these products being, are, are they being consumed? Right. And so we're looking for like new insights because if they don't get consumed, customer may not renew. If they do get consumed, we're going to get expansion. So, I, you know, the OKR conversation, there's a lot of really great workshops. There's great stuff out there on the Internet. There's great, great books around that. Uh, OKRs have to start at the top and they have to trickle down across the organization. You should I think every company should hire someone that just focuses on the consistent OKRs. That's the way that you drive growth in today's world. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Uh, great question, Liam. And uh, yet a, a, another example, I guess, is where we, we, we are not just old school, but old of uh, you know, <laughs> Bill Hogan's son, uh, Liam, doing really well now, I think, at uh, Beyond Identity. So uh, th thanks for that, Liam. So um, a, a few things I want to try and get through uh, faster. Yep. I know you're, you're big on uh, supporting uh, diversity side and best practices. Saw you congratulated Sandy Hogan on being promoted. You were had uh, separate visits with Kathleen Tandy and with Rima. Rima's awesome, uh, and I know you're kind of chair, you know, one of the diversity groups at uh, VMware. So maybe share with us um, any nuggets around best practices that you found or you used. Yeah, so this is a very important topic to me personally. I am an ally, and um, you know, in my business or our, our business here, we've taken a really hard look at building out a, a DNI plan. Um, I mean, some of the things that are best practices. Uh, all of our interview panels must have a diverse candidate pool. All of our uh, candidates interviewing must be meet certain requirements there. Um, we are making sure that we're closing the pay equity gap, like that we're in a really, really good place. That I'm proud of the work that we've, uh, we've done there. I am privileged to be the executive sponsor for our Women Allies and Sales Mentorship Committee. And what we've done from a mentorship perspective for our women and other like it's not just women like anyone can join i think it's i think it's probably like a, a 80 20 70 30 mix of male female at the moment but we're doing some really cool things with regards to mentorship like we're setting up mentorship circles i did this for the first time uh, a couple months ago where it's a small group of you know six people and it's basically an opportunity to have conversations 
as a small community in a very, very safe space, but be transparent, open, honest, and learn. So those mentorship circles have been, you know, really, really wonderful. And um, I'm really proud, by the way, of watching, I mean, Sandy is an amazing business partner, an amazing leader. I mean, you look at Rima now leading the partner, you can just admit AWS, I've known her forever. Like what a great, uh, great milestone for her. Kathleen Tandy is one of my uh, unquestionably most valued business partners from a marketing perspective. It's, it's I, I feel uncomfortable in an environment where it's all male. I'm just used to much more diverse thoughts, diverse perspective, diverse learnings and, uh, that's that's just how I am at my core. That's great. Uh, any favorite channel partners? <laughs> I love all my children equally, Randy. <laughs> I, I am, once again, I am grateful for the VMware partner ecosystem. And we have an amazing community of committed partners, top to top, CEO to CEO. And we have a whole bunch of new partners joining our ecosystem, but they're there's so much value creation and differentiated. I mean, it's just a, it's an amazing community. I'm learning every day. That's great. E easy way to um, step How do I answer aside, that? Step aside from that <laughs> question. Yeah. What about uh, advice uh, that you would give your younger self? Oh my God. Read this. <laughs> there you I'm, go. I, I'm constantly, it's so like, I wish, I wish I knew this. I wish I knew it earlier. Uh, that's that's one thing. Second is to be aware that, you know, you're the one in charge of your journey. Like you got to create your own adventure. So I think, you know, don't feel like someone's going to do it for you. It's um, something that uh, that you have to own. Um, uh, invest in your health and well-being. Like like take care of yourself and uh, don't don't ever lose sight of your moral compass. I mean that would that would be my advice. Excellent. Perfect. And uh, if, if Nora were on, he'd ask for a PG Randy story. So I don't know if there's anything you want to share. <laughs> uh, PG Randy story. I'm going to, I'm going to hold back on that. Uh, well, actually I, I got, I got, I got it. I got, I mean, I, I will, I, I will say Randy, I, uh, I'm going to change, I'm going to change, answer this a little differently. I'm so grateful for your leadership and all that I've learned from you. Uh, I've, I've seen you and learned from you in many, many difficult situations as just industries evolve, uh, uh, markets have evolved, dynamics have evolved, personalities have evolved. Um, but you are a consummate professional, my friend, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Likewise, very much. So, um, all right, it's been fantastic. Of course, I didn't get to <laughs> most of my questions because we had such, such good ones from the audience. So thanks for that. Um, so anybody that is watching this, you can definitely, uh, get it on social media. Tucker pretty much posts it anywhere. Uh, Terry, thanks. He says, good answer to that question, Bill. There you go. Terry approves. Um, so you've been fantastic. Um, next week is episode number 77. We have Piyush Mehta, who's CEO of Data Dynamics. Uh, certainly, uh, will be another fantastic, uh, episode. Uh, Tucker's putting up a reminder. So we have until Friday the 13th, uh, you can get a free year membership at salescommunity.com slash Mayfree. Uh, don't forget about the book. You can get that at salescommunity.com slash book. And uh, certainly uh, thank you very, very much to uh, Alexander Group for sponsoring today. Uh, fantastic resource for uh, any sales leader. 
And uh, Bill, just as I expected, uh, you're fantastic. Really appreciate it. And um, I don't know if I mentioned the beginning, but you're right in the middle of Del, Del World. So if you had hair, it would be, it would be on fire. So <laughs> for um, kind of be, being in, in the calm moment, and I'm, I'm sure you'd be uh, running around as, as soon as we hang up. So thanks so much. Fantastic. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for your friendship. See you guys. Thank you. Reach out if I can be of any help. Cheers.